If the pest of banking, and it is past, was about customer satisfaction, today it's about customer connection on a deep emotional level. Analytics can identify the candidates, but once you know who they are, how do you build an intimate connection? To find out, we'll be talking with Dan Lehman, Senior Executive Advisor at Motista. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the Managing Editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here with us. And today on the program, we have Dan Lehman. Dan's career in business strategy spans 40 years. He's currently Senior Executive Advisor at Motista, an emotional connection and predictive intelligence company. Since 2004, he has advised or served on the boards of a variety of startups and nonprofits in areas ranging from enterprise software, retail realty, and music technology to newspaper publishing and K-8 education. Dan, great to have you here on the program today. Lou, thanks so much for having me today. Customer growth. Banks want to generate it, but they've had trouble doing it. What are your views on where the disconnect may apply? Growth is tough. It's tough in financial services. It's tough these days in any industry. I've been involved through Motista in a bunch of research that indicates that at least a big part of the problem is customer satisfaction has run its course. So there's been a long-term, decades-long focus on making sure customers are satisfied and deploying NPS and other metrics, and that just doesn't move the needle anymore. That's become table stakes. And as table stakes, it appears that financial services institutions need to do more. Where do they start? Well, one of the places they can start is actually, uh, I would say it's a little bit of back to the future of looking at the customer in a holistic way and thinking about the emotional motivations that the customer has for doing business with them. You know, back when, and this is way back when, you knew your banker, you knew your lender, they understood what was important in your life, and you had a mutually satisfying relationship where you brought them business because they understood you and they could help you. Long-term evolution of the banking industry has interrupted those personal relationships, but it's now possible using data analytics to actually get back to that by understanding what customers' emotional motivations actually are and addressing them with the right kind of communication and the right kind of product offerings. Give us an example of how that might work, how the data applies to getting banks back to where they need to be. In the retail banking business, what does every customer want? Well, every customer wants security and trust. They want a feeling that they can trust their bank. That's a pretty foundational emotion that, frankly, most banks have already achieved, but it doesn't cause me to actually do business with that bank. If I'm a millennial and what's important to me is belonging to a social group that I can feel are my peers and what's important to me is taking care of the environment, then you need to give me a credit card that makes me part of the right kind of club and that has rewards that relate to environmental causes. And then that credit card will be top of wallet and I'll be loyal to you and I'll advocate for you. So that's just a particular example for a particular segment. For another segment, it might be that I need you to help me build success for my family in the future, or I wanna have a sense of freedom in my life. And if you can package together an offering of products and services that resonates with those needs, then I'll consolidate more of my balances with you and I will be much less likely to attract. 
emotion is so important in the lives of consumers. You have had quite a bit to say about that, and so has Richard Thaler, just won the Nobel Prize for his work in behavioral finance. I'm wondering if you can explain why emotion is so important in the equation. Quite simply, emotion impacts purchase behavior. So if you resonate with the right emotions, you actually have a much more loyal and a much more profitable customer. Just as an example, in retail banking, if you compare an emotionally connected customer against a highly satisfied customer, with an emotionally connected customer, you'll get 30% higher share of deposits. You'd get something like 40% more products that they're using with your particular bank and less than a third of the attrition rate. You get six to eight times the lifetime customer value with an emotionally connected customer than you do with a highly satisfied customer. Why don't banks focus more on this, the jump from the satisfied customer to the emotionally engaged customer? It's the old Peter Drucker adage, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So to me, at least, the solution comes from trying to develop hard ways to measure emotional connection, clear definition of what those emotions are, and then deploying big data analytics to say which of those emotions actually moves the needle makes a difference. And which ones do, in your view? You know, it depends an awful lot on the particular bank. In one example where we worked with a large national U.S. bank, the key emotions were, I want the bank to reflect my lifestyle, to give me a sense of belonging, and I want people to admire me for working with that bank. Now, that happens to be that particular customer set. But leveraging those emotions, this bank was able to drive cross-sell from an average of just about four products to an average of closer to five and a half and extend the number of years that the customers stayed around and were customers from six to seven. And that's about a 50% increase in lifetime value if you run the multiplication on that. So leveraging emotional connection can be extraordinarily valuable. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with the work on customer centricity that has been done at Atni, which, of course, is the All Talk, No Action Institute. <laughs> but <laughs> there is so much talk about customer centricity, not always a lot of action. When we talk about customer centricity, what does that really mean? To me, it means focusing holistically on the customer relationship and thinking of it as a two-way street where you are satisfying what customers really need emotionally and they're rewarding you with their business rather than strategizing what products to push on them based on their demographics or based on their life stage or based on how long they've been a customer with the bank. And you know as well as I do that banks are big institutions. Most of them, to my knowledge, are not organized around the customer. They're organized around products. They're organized around channels. And so you end up with siloed behavior of individual P&Ls within the bank who are trying to appropriately, because this is how they're measured and this is how they are rewarded, trying to push things toward the customer. And I think we've seen in the last year just the trouble that that can get a bank into if they're not being customer centric. I think within the banking industry, we've seen a lot of talk about how bank A competes against bank B. And yet to the consumer, the bank is just one driver in terms of their experience throughout the day. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's exactly right. You know, one of the ways we look at this is we divide customers up into several different categories. One of those categories we call fail to connect. 
And there are customers who look at you as an annoyance, who look at you as a utility, who look at you as an, I guess I have to have one of those in my life. And those are not customers who will emotionally connect. And those are not customers who will become terribly attractive customers over time. Banks spend an awful lot of money trying to make those customers who appear in conventional metrics as unhappy into happy customers. And that's one of the traps, I think, of customer satisfaction. And what we've seen is if you kind of leave those people out and you look at the rest of the category, and that may be 70 or 80% of your customers, you find people who are satisfied today, but not really emotionally connected. There are opportunities to understand their emotions and move them up that ladder, up that pathway. And then you find customers who are already emotionally connected, but you don't know that, you don't know who they are. So there's an interesting way of thinking about laddering customers as not just black and white, unsatisfied, satisfied, but actually looking at those who fail to connect to the category, those who are satisfied today with propensity to be connected, and those who are emotionally connected but under-leveraged. Outstanding point. I'm wondering if banks can look at other companies, maybe outside of financial services, that are doing this right, and what the lessons are we can learn from them. Well, a number of the companies that we've seen who have high emotional connection are, in fact, the companies you'd expect to have high emotional connection, BMW, Tiffany. They sell luxury goods and those customers just become very emotionally attached. Let's take retailing as an analogy to financial services because retailing, similar to financial services, has a lot of different channels you can go through, certainly has a lot of different competitors, certainly has physical stores where there's a convenience factor. And what we're starting to see is retailers who get beyond the fundamental emotions and get to the emotions that matter for retaining customers, for getting them to buy more over a period of time, are starting to see those leverage points pay off. We're working with one particular retailer that's seeing 5% a year or more same store sales growth. Now remember that's in the retailing industry where same store sales is running near zero for most large players. And they're doing that by understanding that their particular consumers want to feel a sense of creativity and want to feel a sense of belonging when they shop the store, whether they're doing that physically or online. It's everything from how they've positioned their brand in a fairly significant and major way to little things like the signage that they have in the store. Most retail stores, especially fashion retail, and this is an apparel retailer, think about customers wanting to have a fun shopping experience. Well, fun shopping experience in retail is the same as I want to trust my bank in financial services. It's pretty foundational. When they actually feature in the store selfies of customers wearing the clothes, the customers resonate with an emotion that I belong here. These are people like me who shop here. So they've replaced pictures of high-end models wearing the clothes, which says to the customer, you'll never look like this, you'll never achieve this, and changes it to an emotion where the customer feels like they belong and they've found a place where they can shop in great comfort and with great confidence. So there are analogies like that all across the customer experience that I think pertain to banking or other aspects of financial services. As a parting shot here, what do you think banks could do to enhance that sense of belonging? The first thing they need to do is kind of start with a clean sheet of paper and go back to the customer. From the data side, they can do analytics that look at the entire customer relationship, although surprisingly financial institutions struggle to do that, and that has to do with the legacies of how their data and systems are constructed. And then from a customer insight point of view, they can start delving into conversations with customers that get past the I want a bank I can trust 
and get into the what difference does financial services actually make in your life? Are you a millennial where you want to have a sense of aspiration and a sense of belonging? Are you an affluent baby boomer where you want to have a sense that your future will be as good as your past has been? I think it involves, from a data point of view, which of those customers do the most business with you, which ones are the most profitable, which ones stay the longest and don't attrite, and then how do you put those two realms together into marketing programs that actually increase your return on marketing spend and make sense to the customer. Outstanding points here, Dan. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Lou. Take good care. Dan Lehman is the Senior Executive Advisor at Motista. He's based in Atherton, California, near Palo Alto, and you can find Dan on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, the overarching category of customer satisfaction can now be measured efficiently and precisely in terms of positive customer experience, customized in a relational way to each and every consumer. Personal relationships matter, and it's no longer about security and trust. Number two, while it's been hard to verify in terms of hard data in the past, there now can be no doubt that emotion impacts personal behavior. Here are some of the statistics that are worth considering. For consumers that are connected to their bank in an emotional way, banks will experience 30% more deposits, 40% more products can be sold to them, six to eight times the business will result over the lifetime of the relationship, and one-third the attrition rate will be experienced by banks. And number three, a bank's connection should reflect the lifestyle of the consumer and a sense that they are admired for the connection they have. When this happens, cross-sell relationships go from four products to 5.5 on average. Start with a clean sheet of paper, do analytics of the whole relationship, and then engage with consumers to find out how your bank makes a difference in their lives. We're lucky enough in 2017 to have the tools of data analytics to explore emotional connection with consumers in a concrete way. But if you go back 20 years ago to 1997, pinning down that emotional connection was more of an intuitive matter, even for a computer company. Here in rare audio footage from an Apple employee meeting, Steve Jobs introduces Apple's Think Different ad campaign and talks about its stated mission to make an emotional connection with a special type of Apple consumer. Listen. Apple spends a fortune on advertising. You'd never know it. <laughs> You'd never know it. So our customers want to know who is Apple and what is it that we stand for? Where do we fit in this world? And what we're about isn't making boxes for people to get their jobs done, although we do that well. We do that better than almost anybody in some cases. But Apple's about something more than that. Apple, at the core, its core value is that we believe that people with passion can change the world for the better. That's what we believe. 
Of course, Think Different <laughs> went on to be one of the most successful ad campaigns in history. Regardless of what the technology was, there was a brand identification, something for all of us to think about as we try to forward our brand and how it appeals to a very unique consumer that identifies with us. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. And look for us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. We hope you tune in next week when a new podcast goes up. And you can look for me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.